podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Celtic State of Mind, I'm Paul John Dykes and today we have a very special guest you will recognise him, it's Joe Miller, how are you doing Joe? Good day, Paul thanks for having us, it's good to see you Ah, an absolute pleasure, it's Scottish Cup weekend so who best to come on for a wee guest appearance than yourself the man who smashed the treble back in 1989, how often are you reminded about that Joe? Oh, every time somebody bumps into me this year. <laughs> <laughs> Always reminds me of it. Superb. Obviously, you've got the hoops behind you. You're still a regular at Celtic Park. You still go to the games. Big fan of the club since you were a boy. Um, let's have a wee chat about how how things are going under Ange. You you were aware of Ange Postacoglu. You yourself have coached over in Australia. How do you think things are going under Ange, particularly this season? It's gone well, as everybody can see. Uh, he's done a fantastic job coming in. You know, there was a lot of doubters out there, but you've always got to give somebody a chance and see how how it develops. But we're a club like Celtic, you know, the, the infrastructure that's there and the, the, the budgets that they have and, you know, the quality of staff and the, the teams all right down to the youth level, you know, you know he'll do well. Uh, it's a dream job to have, so... I'm not surprised Ange went in there and grasped it. And, uh, you know, I think he got a lot of help with the, the people round about him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he settled in well. I think he's enjoying life. Yeah, it looks like he is. <laughs> <laughs> Do you miss um, it? Do you go back, Joe? Do I miss it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. Well, I'm, the funny thing is, when I first went out there, it was great because uh, I went out there, I was still playing. And I, I had a, I don't know how to say it, but I, was, I just had a, I woke up with a feeling that I was rejuvenated a wee bit because the heat was starting to go through the my bones and I was enjoying playing in the heat. Uh, I think my first game, it was 34 degrees it was. And right. then my face was purple, you know, <laughs> the dry breathe, pouring water on myself during the game. It was, uh, but I, it was, it was, it was interesting playing that sort of. We played on a Friday night where it was cooler, but the humidity was was frightening. But mm-hmm. uh, I well, I was out there for about five years and I enjoyed myself out there because I uh, played for a couple of years, couple of seasons, and I coached for a couple of seasons before I came back and started getting into coaching and managing at Clyde. Yeah, well, you know, Scottish Cups, Clyde. We've heard all the chat this season about big shocks. In the cup, Joe, there was a massive shock uh, with Darville obviously beating Aberdeen, but it did, you know, put my yeah. mind back to that game. And you were a massive part, but you were, you were in the Clyde. City. I mean, you were the, the manager, the co-manager of Clyde when you beat us two one. Aye, aye, and I came on as well last quarter of an hour, I think it was. Um, but aye, it was a good group of boys to put together, and they would run through a brick wall for you, uh, and that was the thing. Great side. If you keep them together and just bottle them, they they you know, they won the league. Uh, no bother. I just don't think Clyde had the infrastructure to go up. Uh, we got to a first cup final in that, in the Challenge Cup, uh, mm-hmm. which was a which was disappointing because we went into that game and we were three players down because of the injuries. But overall, for a club that never had one player at the start of the season. And rebuilding their whole setup for the first team right down to pro youth, I had a huge task in my hands, you know. So, and then we came up against we t- put up friendlies against Man United and Premier League sides like Hearts, Aberdeen, Motherwell, Livingston, and and we beat all of them. And then we, we beat Celtic in the cup and took we played Rangers at Ibrox and took them the extra time. Uh, well, we're actually winning the game. Uh, and they scored in the last minute to to level it, and that took us to uh, extra time. 
So overall, it was a great couple of years at Clyde, and it was mm -hmm. a great learning curve for myself. I was saying to you before we came on there, I've got a great picture of you um, with Roy Keane. You're in the Clyde colours, and Keane's trying to keep up with you. I think it's a great picture, though. Aye, uh, uh, it was. Uh, it was chasing me all over the place that day. <laughs> <laughs> Super. There is no, no doubt in. There's no doubt in your colours though, Joe, and obviously this weekend we're up against that's a tough tie though at Tynecastle. What was your memories of playing there as a Celtic player? Hearts was always a hard ground to go to. Oh, Tynecastle, it used to be always hard. I mean, when I joined in the centenary year, you know, you had you had Hibs, Hearts, it was Rangers, Aberdeen, Dundee United, they were all tough. It was a, a tough, tough league, you know, and you had to, it was all two-point system. So mm -hmm. you did really have to, you know, work your backside off to get a result. But it was always hard going to Tynecastle. And I think at uh, the time during the centenary year, I think Hearts was the, the, the team that stopped a run towards right. the end of the season. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They beat us. So we were full of confidence and we got a, sh a shock uh, with them beating us because we didn't think we would, no, nobody would stop us that year. But... We went on to win it easily enough uh, when we were comfortable winners. I think we won it, we won it by eight, eight points or something like that. Uh, and then we go to the Scottish Cup with Marcus going to. So that was a great season. But it's always difficult against any team. But I think just now, you know, I was at the game during the week. Uh, you know, Hearts set out their stall. They looked to just try and frustrate Celtic. They got an early goal and, and then they just kind of you know, try to frustrate, waste time, and you know, uh, you know, it wasn't enjoyable to watch. And then you had the VAR, but all credit to Angie, he had made several changes, uh, and I think he's had this weekend's game in his mind that he made those seven, six or seven changes that he could still go and get a result, and that which was pleasing because the boys were excellent. I thought the way they went about the game and. Uh, they got the result, so yeah, I think we might even see a, a changed team uh, at the weekend's game. So, you know, it's, it's difficult for any club to play against Celtic because they move the ball that well, uh, they move it so quickly. Teams can't even press as well as Celtic can, do you know? I mean, Celtic are pressing and they're in their face, but, mm -hmm. but Celtic move the ball quickly and there's interchanging, interpassing. There's nobody better than them. You know, that centenary season that you mentioned, Joe, that was the first season that I started going to the games myself, went to my first game in 87. So it's a team that's very special to myself and many others of my era. But it, the, the, the team and the morale that you guys have still got to this day, um, I, I remember you were celebrating the 30th anniversary of that incredible achievement. Um, but they guys are still all your pals to this day. There's a special bond between you, isn't there? Aye, there is. We're always on the phone, texting each other and in touch with each other all the time. We speak to Roy on a regular basis. I met Big Starkey yesterday. Uh, I, I speak to Rogie. I can't get him off the phone. <laughs> Anton Rogan's a great laugh, great friend. Uh, Big Derek White, even though he's out in Dubai, always texting, maybe a phone call now and again. So we're all still in touch with each other. I see Granty. Uh, the only one we've no kind of Paul's kind of over in Australia, which I, I can understand that happens that you're not in touch with a lot of people as you used to be. Uh, Paul's making a new life for himself out there, but it'd be good to get Paul back at some point as well because uh, he, he was missed at that 30th anniversary. It would be good to do something with him if he came back. Oh, he definitely would. What, what a player as well. Um, but yeah, you mentioned uh, guys like uh, Anton Rogan, Peter Grant. Again, I've seen Peter Grant recently. Him and you haven't aged. I, I don't know what on the earth is in the water, Joe, but you guys haven't aged. It's incredible. Have we just partied hard? <laughs> <laughs> Brilliant. Superb. That's it. That's what we did. No, it's... Uh, we often get that. I was always the baby face in the team. Uh, <laughs> and as I say, I think you've heard it before, where I walked into the dressing room and was looking to see all the jerseys all hanging up in the dressing room on my debut. And I just seen the wee babies. 
with your baby's uh, <laughs> strip hanging up with the shorts pegged and the socks pegged. <laughs> that was the start of it. But, uh, no, it was great, great banter in that set, great group of players. The team atmosphere, you know, and we gelled so well together and we worked hard for each other on the park. Is, you know, it was good. Uh, and it's like a bit like the way the players play the day. I don't think Celtic play in a fashion, they even gone back to even when the Lions played as well, they all worked hard for each other, but yeah, kind of refer to things when you were at Celtic yourself. And I think that season, the centenary season, we all worked as a group of players where we, we did the similar things as what the team's doing just now, where we're hunting in packs, getting the ball back as quickly as possible. And we never gave up, you know what I mean? We were playing in that 90th minute, scoring in the yeah. 91st minute and things like that. Ought to get a result. It was a great season, but we all did it for each other. And that, that you know, the, the, that uh, team bonding and the team spirit on the park when we were playing, was there in abundance, you know, and it's the same as this team just now. There's a great atmosphere about the Celtic team just now. I think it's a great point because obviously Ange coined that phrase, we we never stop, we don't stop. And a few times we've said on the yeah. show, think back to the centenary team, the amount of late goals you guys got, Joe. See, it's a generational thing. I mean, young kids and, and all social media things are, oh, we never stop. We go back to the centenary. We never stopped in the centenary year, and the Lisbon Lions never stopped either. And, and think you can go every team, every decade. Teams all worked hard for each other, particularly a Celtic side. They were always tough to. When I played for Aberdeen, they were all tough to, to play against. But the, the 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 fabric of them was to attack all the time. The cavalier approach, and also we defended for the front and we hunted in packs three and four players in it, in the opposition's faces, winning the ball back as quickly as possible and trying to keep a hold of it. That fabric is there and it will always be there with Celtic. Absolutely. I, I'm just uh, thinking in my own mind that 2023 were, were 34 years since you stopped the treble by scoring in the Scottish Cup final, Joe. Uh, next year, is there anything planned to get the guys together to, to celebrate the 35th anniversary of that? I don't know. I've not even. I never thought about that actually until you've just reminded me. But <laughs> oh, I can say thank God VAR wasn't there. <laughs> wasn't there. <laughs> yeah, With that throwing, I know. Ah, you know what I mean. The, that was your tactic in the dress room. I said to Big Roy before we went out. I think you know, play every ball. You know what I mean. Just play on, even if it goes out or if they foul for them, just play on. <laughs> but no, it managed to work for us. And, uh, you know they're still talking about it to this day, but it's good to see that. Uh, thank God VAR wasn't about then. Uh, you know when they accounted, but I've no doubt we'd have won the game anyway. You know, it was we were we were, we were good that day, and we could have probably could have scored one or two more. Uh, Aye, without a doubt, but without a doubt, but. Anyway, well, thankfully, thankfully, Big Roy didn't stop. He took the throw in and uh, a legendary captain of the club, Joe. You don't see him that often out and about um, at events, etc. But you've managed to get your big teammate um, alongside some other great captains of the club. Tom Boyd, who won the treble. Danny McGrain, who was part of the 10 men stopping the uh, 10 men winning the league. Um, and you're coming together for a, a very special evening. Um, and it's just the day after St. Paddy's Day. I've got the number at the bottom of the, the page here if anybody wants to book tickets. Tell us a wee bit about that. What, what do you have in store for us? Uh, well, basically, it's more speaking about things. And like you say, it's about team spirit and, and bonding again and I thought, you know, getting some of the guys back again for an evening or something like that, you know, and I thought about doing something different and doing captain's nights and initially I was looking at all the captains for Celtic and, you know, for, there was Kenny Douglas, he, he was trying to get Kenny involved there, uh, I was going to do four in one night, so it was supposed to be um, Kenny, uh, Danny, Roy, and if I tried to get a hold of Paul McStay, but I managed to just get Kenny pulled out because he was in tour with his daughter. He was doing a tour. So got Danny Roy and Tom Boyd. 
So that's mm-hmm. the key. It's doing the first one, and hopefully I can get Paul and Kenny for the next one. Along with with the other captains as well, with Danny, with maybe with Scott Brown at some point. So I've spoken to them all, and it's just something that we want to do, and and hopefully have a good evening, share some stories with all the fans, and. Uh, you know, have a good night. It's St Paddy's weekend, so there'll be some good Irish music on, and be able to enjoy yourselves. Hopefully, get a good result and another step closer to clinching the title again. So, oh, aye, I everybody so. been in a good mood that night. So, hopefully, it'll, it'll go well. It sounds brilliant. As I say, anybody interested in getting along to see the captains uh, even three-course meal, um, a really plush event and a good venue. There's a number at the bottom of your page, uh, give that a wee call right. and get your tables booked. Yep. And the other thing with that, Paul, is I've, I've some teammates, uh, even down the years, are, are going along here as well. Some former teammates, uh, uh, Roy and Danny, they've never played with myself. Mm-hmm. They've they've shown interest to come along as well. So it's going to be good to catch, like say Mark Reed and Graham Sinclair, uh, Pierce O'Leary, and all these guys that you know played with Roy and Danny. The earlier stages, you know, I, I was the only one I never I played against him. I played against Danny because I'm good friends with Danny. I grew the circuit quite a bit with Danny, but uh, I played with Roy and I played with Tom Boyd as as a, my captain and things like that. So, uh, you know, I know the the stories there, but and uh, it'd be good to catch up the other teammates that played with him and share their stories as well because it's going to be a good night. Peter Martin's going to host it, so he'll be a great laugh. You know, he always has his dynamite on that. He is, but the thing is, Joe, I've been to a few events and uh, when it comes to the raffle, you don't want to win because if you're up on that stage, he will rip you to pieces and you're sitting there actually <laughs> wishing you don't win the prize because you don't want to go up and get a tanking for Peter Martin. Oh, no. I know. I always get a tanking off him. That's... <laughs> <laughs> Half of the course when I book Peter, you know what I mean? I could be in the next room and he'll still rip into me, you know. <laughs> but he's brilliant, he's great, his delivery is fantastic. He goes down well and the, the players love him, that's the thing. It's all good friendly banter and uh, he enjoys the night as much as we do. Oh, I'm sure. A couple of wee questions from the audience before we let you get on, Joe. Uh, Alan Robertson, you know, John Brown wasn't happy about that throw, and I think it's still raging, Alan, to be honest with you. And uh, Pat Dolan, here's a question for you. How do you think you would have fared in an Ange Postacoglu side when you were in your prime? I'd have loved it. Because uh, I like to have a bit of freedom playing, but Big Billy did it with me quite a lot, you know, where he gave me the freedom to pop up, get on the ball and find some space and take players on and things like that, you know, as well as doing my duty. But there were some games that we had, we went into uh, games where we had to be a wee bit more stropped in and, uh, you know, our, our team setup had to be quite rigid. And you had to do a job and you had to chase back and things like that. Chasing back wasn't my forty. I was all right going forward, but chasing back and try to, and helping out Chris Morris and things like that wasn't my forty. But I had to do it. That's the job I do. But I like to get the ball and go at players. So mm-hmm. when I see like say Abada and Yota taking players on, it's great. I love it. it it's been missing in the Celtic setup for a few years prior to the aim coming, it's been refreshing to see that we're going there, taking teams on, they're taking players on, and they're, they're delivering crosses and creating chances uh, into the ball. But I'd have loved that. I'd have loved that setup just now. I'm just thinking back to some of the, the left-backs that you terrorised, and I remember Stuart Munro uh, being in that category. You just relished, it seemed, playing against Rangers. Joe, what was it about you? There's some players in that Celtic team that are the same. They always turn up for the big games against Rangers. It's simple, Paul. I didn't like Rangers. No, that was a rivals, you know what I mean? You wanted to put one over them and... You know, the gaffer you always, you know, knew it would turn up on the games. Uh, I didn't have many bad games against Rangers. Uh, but I knew that even if I was out the game, I made up for it for hard work and things like that. Um, but I enjoyed playing against Rangers. I scored a few times against Rangers. Uh, 
and it's it's one of the the games that you know you like the challenge. You've got the big crowd, the atmosphere. Who who would they like that as a player? Do you know what I mean? It's fantastic. But as I said to you, get having that freedom to go. It's coming up there. I remember the the games that I enjoyed was the uh, St Paddy's week where we played them twice in a week. Nice. Beat them twice. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I think I went through three left backs at those two <laughs> games. You know, so I didn't know who to put on me, which was good. But um, no, I loved playing against them. Loved it. It was the best thing you could do. Oh, and it showed. It absolutely showed. We've got a lot of people coming in uh, who obviously watch you playing for Celtic. Patrick, uh, Harold, and uh, Ian McMillan. Yeah, Paul McStay, a genius. One of the best you played with, Joe. Paul McStay. Aye. Without a doubt, it wasn't just the even playing. It, it, it's that group of players, but as well were special. But you know, as I said to you, the great atmosphere in the dressing room and everything like that. But Paul, every day in training, just in training, and things that he did, uh, whether it was just possession games or some v sevens and things like that. You know, it's uh, it was brought and even practice matches and things like that. You know, brilliant. His vision, he see things, and you just needed to make that run, and he would find you, or or somebody would make an overlap and run, and he would find them. He'd thread balls through. He seen passes that nobody else seen, you know. Uh, to a certain extent, we McGregor's done fantastically well, and you can see the way he's playing and all with that confidence and controlling the game. It's similar mm-hmm. to Paul, but I, you know, somebody mentioned to me the game the other night there. He sees a lot of similarities, but I don't think it was it. Paul's level. Paul was special. Uh, you know, he could burst forward and score a goal for yeah. 20 yards and things like that. And even if Paul had a bad game, he picked the paper up on a Sunday and he got man of the match. <laughs> <laughs> it was sensational during yeah, that centenary year. Unbelievable um, during that year. Uh, Pat Dolan wants to know who the best fullback was you faced. I know your old Aberdeen teammate, David Robertson. Uh, you, you had a, a few contests with him. Who was the best fullback you faced, Joe? Aye, there was a few. Uh, David was one that he probably broke more bones in my body than Hendy. So <laughs> he broke my ribs and had a few broken bones in my foot a few times. He was just clumsy as well. You know, but David was a good pal of mine because we were up at Aberdeen together mm-hmm. and uh, <laughs> we found each other. We were really pally at Aberdeen, you know, coming through FS form and he was an Aberdeen boy, but I used to go up there, uh, you know, with the school holidays and things like that. But we, 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 were all, we were all good pals and then we got into the first team together and then he obviously went to Rangers uh after I had been at Celtic a couple of years, but then he joined Rangers, and I was like, oh, for pace, David was a centre forward, and he had fantastic pace, so, you know, David could match me for pace as well, so I had my work cut out playing against him, so the only thing I had, you know, was try to be, you know, be tricky with him, uh, but he was a tough opponent, and he used to just boot you for the sake of booting you, and the show we played, I think it was a semi-final at Hamden, and he Smash me. He hopped me like a truck. You know what I mean? And just didn't bother going for the ball. I kind of dummy that span and then just smashed me in his knee and my ribs. Oh, it's just... But, uh, no, he was a tough opponent. But there was a lot of good quality fullbacks he come up against, you know. Was, uh, sometimes right. you, you know, there were, were good players out there. And sometimes you used to go in the park, which I, the gaffer used to see, I, I've had two or three players on me. The gaffer treat, said, I don't know, treat that as a compliment that they're doubling up on you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, if I, because if somebody was doubling up on me, it means that there was space on the, uh, uh, somewhere else on the park, you know? Aye, for sure. I'm going to ask one more one more question because I think it's relevant to where we are as a football club now, Joe. Uh, everybody's looking ahead to what we can maybe do in Europe and Robert Highland asks, what was the best game you played in, in Europe for Celtic? It was a, it was a few good games, but um, there was a few enjoyable games. There was a partisan Belgrade game, even though we went out that night. Big Jackie scored four. That was an enjoyable game. Uh, 
Um, uh, one we could forget is Noshi Tails Amax. Oh, yeah. That. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a poor game, but there was. Well, there was a few. I, I can't really pinpoint. We didn't really do well in Europe. You know, it, it was the first stages. I, mean, I, I came in in 18, 80, sorry, 87, 88, 89. It was okay. But, you know, when we qualified for Europe the following season, but our, our run wasn't that great. Uh, so we were seen to be kind of dropping out the first couple of rounds. Yeah, um, yeah. We never had a great run, and it, the set. This it wasn't the Champions League then. The set up, you were automatically out. You know. That's it. Two it games and you bounced. Yeah. Aye, it wasn't the Champions League or the Europa Cup. It was all structured differently. Mm-hmm. There was no second chance. It was just knockout. You know. Um, Joe, I, I like a lot of people watching this show. Uh, were, a, were a huge fan of yourself playing for Celtic. You know that double winning team, winning the Scottish Cup. Hopefully there'll be a 35th anniversary event that we can come to next year. Uh, but we're talking about the captain's event. Please, if you're interested, the number is on the bottom of your page. We'll keep that running along the bottom of the page for the rest of the show. It's been an absolute pleasure to welcome Joe Miller, a Celtic legend, onto Celtic State of Mind. Thanks for your time, Joe. And uh, hopefully we can catch up soon, my friend. Thanks, Paul. Thanks for having me. And here's the uh, winning a treble again. <laughs> yes, that's what I like to hear. Nice one, Joe. Speak to you soon, pal. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Bye-bye. What an absolute pleasure it was um, to have Joe Miller on the show. Um, and I'll tell you what, Brian, you're kind of similar age. Jim, Alan, you'll remember Joe, uh, Joe playing often on the right wing. You know, you'll remember him at Aberdeen playing through the centre a wee bit more. Uh, for Billy McNeil's brilliant <clears throat> centenary team. Jim, I'm going to ask you first, what was your greatest memory as a wee Joe? Eh, obviously, the cup final, yeah. I mean, I think uh, uh, you won't see many people like Joe Miller again because I mean, the way football was going, less and less local lads are going to be playing for Celtic. That's just the way things are, things are these days. But to have, he made a major contribution in the centenary season. And yeah. as he said, I mean, that, that team will be still remembered in 100 years' time. You know, they might not be as, obviously as famous as Osborne Lions, but to have won it in that season was a huge... Uh, Local lad, plays for Celtic, Celtic fan, scores a cup-winning goal against Rangers, part of the Centenary double team. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, he'll be well-remembered, uh, Joe Miller. Good player uh, throughout his career, uh, playing for different teams. Yeah, uh, big fan. And also, uh, I... Uh, this, is, this, is, <laughs> this is all about me, sorry. Uh, if we did Ben like Bratback uh, the first time, uh, I was... In the street in the theatre trying to put stuff away and somebody asked for me and he said it's Joe Miller and I thought well it can't be Joe Miller Joe Miller and uh, Joe Miller gave me a hug and he said that was brilliant you're thinking Joe Miller <laughs> Joe Miller gave me a hug <laughs> this is great Joe Miller gave brilliant. me a hug Joe Miller gave me a hug and he said uh, if he could help in any way just give him a shout he gave me his number so I had Joe Miller's number I think this is bonkers and then uh, the next day he phoned me and I'm at work and I'm saying, this is Joe Miller on the phone. <laughs> Hold on, Joe Miller. And he said that he could get me Murdo McLeod to come along to uh, the next night's performance. And Murdo came along. So uh, I've got a lot of time for Joe Miller. In fact, Joe Miller's quote said it was something like it was, uh, it was the best Celtic play he'd, he'd ever seen. So uh, I love Joe Miller. Yeah, Joe Miller's a good guy. I've seen that quote on your poster. We'll come back to Brat back because obviously there has been a new announcement on that as well, Jim. Um, absolutely loved Wee Joe when he played Brian. And as Jim quite rightly says, the slayer of Rangers treble hopes back in 1989. Um, and by the way, we were the underdogs going into that. There had been a lot happening that season. Rangers beat us 4-1, 5-1, but we beat them in the cup final. And uh, we, Joe, was a goal scorer, etching his name into the Celtic history books forever more, Brian. Was he just ahead of your time, we, Joe? I, well, I would have been turning six. Then, so I've only obviously seen it retrospectively. Um, but yeah, amazing season, as, as Jim said. Can't really add too much, but you know, when you think about the, the likes of playing beside Paul McStay and that mm-hmm. sort of core group, um, we spoke about it with, with Tom Boyd uh, uh, the night a few weeks ago, and we were talking about how there's certain characters are just so down to earth and sort of humble, and Celtic have always had a through line almost to these guys. And Joe's another example. Uh, really nice human being by all accounts. 
uh, great guy and as Jim said, a, a hero for what he achieved in that one season. Yeah, definitely. It'll be good to see him again uh, coming to Glasgow uh, later on this month. Alan Morrison, um, I'm not going to ask anybody for their ages, but I'm guessing that you've got the memories similar to, to Jim and I when it comes to wee Joe and that centenary year. Sorry, Alan, you're, you're muted at the moment, pal. Sorry. That's his old age getting There in. we go, is it? Well, a schoolboy error or just old age kicking in or both. <laughs> um, so by, by, this, by, by that time, um, my family had moved down to England, so it was actually very difficult to see Celtic at that time. If you weren't, you know what I mean? You just never saw them, very rarely on TV and stuff, highlight shows maybe. Um, so, but my memories of Joe, Joe Miller were that he, he was very much a, a modern, I would say, type of forward. Because although you know you say he played on the right wing, he played as a striker. I, I remember him as being quite. You almost didn't know whether he was a winger or a striker. He, he was very adaptable. He was a sort of modern forward. I would, I guess, mm-hmm. you'd call it. And it, it was always great that um, such a wee guy could could be successful because even even in those days you know it was difficult for smaller players to break through there was a, a bias towards bigger more athletic players even even then I mean, it's, it's probably even worse now to be honest um but what but what so what he what he had to do you know was to make up for it with his just prodigious work rate so i think you know you know he, he would have been someone that you could have relied upon to not just be a dangerous all-round attacker, but also, to, you know, you, you were talking to him there about would he want to play in Angie's system? I think his sort of pressing would have been pretty impressive as as well, playing playing under that under that system. So yeah, and you know, those those were the sort of happy days before the storm, weren't they? That that season really, but uh, also bittersweet memories of that season in that sense because I, I could always sense you could sense the the money that they were spending across the city that 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 success perhaps wasn't going to. To last too long, and that was like the last hurrah of that '80s team, which was you know one of my favourites. The you know the McLeods, the McStays, the Nicholases, the McGarveys, and that 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 sort of year was almost the last of some of those players. You know, winning, winning, winning together as a Celtic team. Yeah, definitely. Also, one 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 last point: the cup final. No, I just remember it was that I was at. A, there was only six thousand season ticket holders, and I was one of them, and I didn't qualify to get a ticket for the cup final. And <laughs> I won a competition. Bizarre. I won a I won a competition in the evening times to get a ticket for the cup final, and I had to go to the evening times and pose like a haddie with about twenty other people having won a ticket for the cup final. Uh, and I'd written to Jack McGinn, and he was giving me all this. Well, what did we do about the fans in Ireland who are coming, and the fans from London who are coming? And you're thinking, I'm a season ticket holder, and you don't give me a ticket, and that's why Save Yourself started. I'm only kidding, but anyway, so. <laughs> No, it's interesting, but it's 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 the changes of the times. Like even when Alan's talking there, I remember back in those times, late eighties, people used to put adverts in the Celtic fanzines saying that maybe they lived in uh, Ottawa or something in Canada, and they wanted people to send videos of the Celtic games over to them because they mm. couldn't see the games. It was incredible. But anybody that wants to see vintage Joe, I'm sure you can check out uh, the YouTube reels and all that. But there's one goal in particular that stands out that's maybe not as famous as some of the the goals scored in the centenary season or in the cup final. He scored against Hibs one day and it was a gloriously sunny day. Uh, and I'm going to say Jack Anoski scored the second goal. It was 2-0. I think Andy Gorham was in goal. What a strike, wee wee joke. It was a volley. Brilliant goal. And he had a wee um, a wrist. I think he'd maybe dislocated or broke his wrist and he was coming back for injury. He had a plaster or something on his wrist and he runs away. Superb. Great memories of wee Joe. I'm going to stick with wingers before... Um, we go on anywhere else, Alan. And I'm going to ask you your thoughts on where we are at the moment because obviously Maeda, um, he pulls up with an injury the other night against Hearts. Abada gets put back in the side because he deserved it because he played so well against St. Men. But then, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think he had a great game against Hearts the other night. <clears throat> Jota comes back in, Haksabanovic comes on and does well. Let's talk about the wingers um, and how we're going to actually uh, line up to face Hearts at Tynecastle Island, in your view. So, is is there news on Maida? Is he is he definitely out, or do we know? There's been talk about. See, this is a the thing. There's been no, as uh, far as I'm aware, definitive answer to say he's definitely not playing. But um, we're certainly looking at uh, the injury, and Ange has mentioned his injury. So, I'm guessing that he won't he won't play tomorrow. 
Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I mean, you know, we've got a, an array of talent and they're all very, very different. So it's really a question of what the manager thinks is most going to give them problems. Um, you know, I think Maida's useful when you're playing against, uh, if they continue with a back three, which they have been for a lot of the season, then that gives them, uh, that gives them good space really to be to be running into behind the wing back. So that's always always a good option. Um, you know, Abada, I was a little bit disappointed with myself. You know, you do get a lot of rubbish with Abada. He has a lot of bad decisions, a lot of poor execution. But at the end of it, you do get an awful lot of output as well. So it's always going to take the rough with a smooth with him. But on, on balance, he provides a tremendous amount of, you know, chances and shots from good positions and so forth. Um, Jota, I think, I still don't think Jota's really quite the player that he was last season or since he came back from his injury, actually. Um, he doesn't seem to have be quite as quick uh, over the ground. Um, but still, again, you know, with Jota, you, you've got somebody who is going to continually try and test the opposition mm-hmm. in terms of he'll, he'll take players on, he won't get disappointed. The game the game against St Mirren was a classic. He was having a wretched game, but he kept going. He kept going, he kept yeah. going, he kept going. He kept getting in the box, he kept trying things. He got his reward for the goal, and that's a brilliant attitude to have. And then the interesting one, even even more interesting one, is, is, is maybe Haksabanovic. So on the huddle breakdown this you know, this week, I was saying, I, I don't think he's a winger. I generally don't think he's a winger. He doesn't he doesn't sort of um, stack up in terms of his his data as a winger. He really does stack up more as a either an attacking eight or as a number ten. Uh, in terms of you know he's he's way out there compared to the other wingers in terms of his creativity, his chance creation, the quality of his passing, uh, his you know his technical ability in, in close uh, his close control, his first touch are all superb. Um, he doesn't have that pace really to get away from fullbacks. So it'd be interesting if we do play him. I think he does well out wide, but he's I think he's not really a winger. <laughs> so I don't know if that's answered your question. I suspect if Maid is not fit, you'll go with a bad on Jota. To be mm-hmm. honest with you, mm-hmm. um, but uh, I think he would probably want Maida to be on the pitch because I think if Hearts feel are feeling bold, that will be the option in behind that will be you know that I think Andrew will be looking for. Yeah, he is. He's definitely a big loss. By the way, Michael McDonald reminds me that Jack Anoski scored an overhead kick that day against Hibs. Jim, you were probably at that game uh, 2-0. What's your thoughts on the, the wide position? So important to this Ange shape and this Ange team. Who do you pick tomorrow if indeed Maeda is not fit? I think you always play your best team and it's and I think Haxabanovich is fantastic. I'd agree with all the points Alan made there. I think for the first time that we saw him up at Ross County, I think it was. He just looked dead confident, upper body strength, looks like a proper player. Uh, I'd like him in a team. Uh, Yota has to play, Kyogo has to play. So he may not be a winger, but I think I'd play him on the right-hand side. I think Yota's more effective on the left. That's that's my best front three. I think Abada's uh, an impact player. I think I've talked about Abada too much since he came here. Fantastic contribution last season, an instinctive player. Put the ball ahead of him, he went on to it. He's got a great eye for a goal, but given the ball and when he has to think about it, I think he struggles quite a lot of the time. I think uh, having Rolf in the team certainly helped helped him, but he still didn't play that, that well the other night. So I'd like that front three. That's that's my what I think. If everyone's fit, that's that's the front three I would play because I think there's tons of goals in that. Three really skillful players. Uh, yeah, Haxabanovich from, from a pace point of view, maybe not too good, but he ho, what a player. Aye, aye, it's fantastic. I think it'd be good to see him have a kind of a kind of half decent run in the team. Uh, you know, sometimes that happens to the misfortune of others and, you know, an injury. You never want anybody injured, Jim, but I, I get what you mean there. I want to see him getting a, a few games so that we can see the true impact of Haxabanovich. He seems to be something of a favourite and amongst the commenters on here anyway. Robert Highland, if Haxaw is fit, he must start with Jota. The minute you get a nickname, Brian, it means that you've been welcomed into the side and Big John was calling... Uh, Alistair Johnson Begbie during the week and that's going to stick certainly on Axel anyway <laughs> what's your thoughts what's your thoughts on the front line tomorrow at Tynecastle, Brian um, so I suspect it will be Jota Kyogo and Abada that's that's probably the, the safest bet um, I'm a big fan of Axelmanovic or Actionmanovic as we've called him a couple of times and I think it's, it's actually precisely because of what Alan said because I agree he's not like the traditional winger but because of the way we play, when he is out wide and Hatati overlaps and then the fullback overlaps and they all sort of change, marking that after running after Mieda or Jota for 
60 minutes, 65 minutes is impossible. And I think that's what gave him the space um, against Hearts the other night. Because he just, they don't really know what he's going to do because we don't really know what he's going to do. And I always think he, it's, it's really important to have that kind of maverick spark off the bench. Um, so I, I would probably keep him on the bench and bring him on. Um, and I think against Sporting with, with Abada, big fan of Abada, I've said he, he plays like a striker out wide sometimes because he's, his finishing is excellent. He's so instinctive. His position is good, but he's not the best dribbler. Um, so, so that aspect up the front three, but I don't imagine there'll be loads of changes. I think I get the impression that the changes made against Hearts the other night were an attempt to such as rest of all players that are definitely going to play. Mm. Um, there is a few players I'd like to see. I'd like to see a water. Um, the only question with that is. Kalmak and Moya and Hikati are all unbroppable, really. He's really hard to fit into that, but I just think he he looks, I mean, he's, he's quite short, but he's an absolute unit. He looks really, really strong and really good at winning the ball back. So I think, you know, depending on how they play, because the way they played against us, they'll try to frustrate us and, and push forward. And they didn't really offer a lot of attacking, but it was more just to sort of nullify us. And I just think if they do get a break, he's a bit stronger defensively than maybe McGregor especially at Tynecastle, so there's something to consider, but I, I don't suspect he'll start, but I, I would like to see him. I've seen a lot of comments coming in, Brian, in relation to Awata on a Celtic state of mind, um, and also Haksabanovic, as I said before, and I love that word maverick, uh, because we, we love a maverick, don't we? We really do. Uh, John Francis agrees he would actually play him <coughs> alongside Kalmak and Hatati in the midfield. Um, I don't know if there's going to be big changes tomorrow. It's such an important game with, with it being in the Cup. Um I think before the end of the season, we will see uh, some changes like that to give the, give these players game time. Um, and we've also got opinionated Glaswegian OG. What's the panel's nicknames? Well, I've certainly not given them any nicknames, but if you want to give us any suggestions, please let us know. You've opened a can of worms now. Alan's hand is over his head. He's, he's hiding his face. There we go. <laughs> any bad language and I'll not bring them up there we go um, I'm pretty sure I've been called a few things certainly on social media um, a lot of the chat this week has been around the fact that Ange is now a centurion 100 games under his belt 74 wins Alan and the, the two big questions for me is as a fan um, greatest moments under Ange but also looking ahead for the next 100 what can we achieve in the next 100 games because he will be here for another 100 games right let's just put that down in stone first and foremost Alan so <laughs> best best memories under Ange so far and what can he take us to what what can we achieve in the next 100 games I, th- I think um, the thing that sprang into my mind when you asked that question so to, uh, if I think about it I might come up with a, 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 another answer but I'll give you the first thing that sprang into my head which was after the Dundee United game when we clinched the league last season. And just the level of emotion that he had and what it meant to him. Uh, and I don't think we realised the pressure he probably put on himself more than anyone at the club, I suspect. But the pressure, and certainly the fans, I don't think, put him under a lot, a lot of pressure. But the pressure he put on himself to, to get that league title, uh, that, that it just spoke volumes about you know, the way he operates. Because he never revealed that really at any point during the season you'd never have thought that he felt in any way under pressure at any point he always seemed in control but you just saw uh, his his kind of personal mask slip a little bit the emotion come through and I just that's the first thing that sprang to my mind when I when you mentioned that and I thought that was a really insightful moment because he does he is somebody he doesn't he doesn't you know, unlike the other side of the city where we've got somebody who loves to overshare every five minutes. Um, Andrew's not really like that, is he? So, you know, when he speaks, it's important and you listen because it means something. So that, that, it'd be that for me, I think. No, without a doubt. And, you know, it's interesting <clears throat> you said that he hadn't revealed it. Um, and I, I've listened to a lot of these these uh, interviews after the fact where he's been talking about, listen, it was non-negotiable. Because I remember, um, you know, on Axom, us saying, can we win the league this season? This is before Ange comes in, once he's coming, once he's bedding in. And I always remember the discussion with Kevin Graham where he's saying, as long as we're in touching distance at Christmas, I'm thinking, no, we, you know, that even that isn't good enough. We need to be ahead. We need to win this league. And then after the event, Ange talks about, you know, the necessity of not being an option to finish second. Um, but he never said that all the way through the season, like you say, Alan. He waited until the job was done and then he revealed his truth, thoughts and emotions around it. Where, where do you think... 
uh, we can go because Johnny sums it up here. Trophies, trophies and more trophies. Absolutely. Um, that That's going to be tremendous. And obviously a period of domination is, is what we're aiming for. But obviously we've also got Europe to think about as well, Alan. And, and where do you think he can take us there? Yeah, I, th- I think given time, I think I, I would honestly expect us to become a, a competitive team. Maybe not at Champions League level. I think there's just too many structural mm. issues that would stop us competing <clears> with the likes of Real Madrid on a on a regular. You know, we could beat them on a one-off game maybe once every ten times, whatever. But to, to if you played three teams of that caliber, a club like Celtic, it'd be very difficult to put together th- you know three results in a row against that quality of opposition. But I think at Europa League level, I, I do think Ange could make Celtic a very, very competitive team. There could be some real uh, real fun to be had. And, and I think that's the challenge for him is to really to take that forward. It was the biggest shame this season, I think, was we didn't drop into the Europa League. That was the, the biggest because I think we could have done good, done good things there, even this season. So uh, definitely in Europe, because I don't think, even personally for Ange, I don't think his star will be as shiny Unless he can take Celtic forward in Europe, because that's what you know, that's what boards of other clubs will look at in terms of is he overperforming, etc. So for him personally, I think that would be a, a big part of the mission. But and, and he knows he's got to keep Celtic on top in, in Scotland as well. But I think it's that that European progress is really what I'm looking for next. Yeah. <clears throat> Without a doubt, I mean, some of the nicknames that are coming in cannot be shown on a screen. But I'm getting called. I'm getting called the wig, which is fine. I, I can take that. Uh, Brian, you're a you're an older James Forrest, apparently. So there you go. That's not bad. I'll take it. That's all right. And, and Jim, Jim, you have often been called um, a doppelganger for Bobby Duval. So you're going to have to take that. But listen, that's a Hollywood actor, you know. So you've got to take that. Um, He's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> he was in that shot. Glory movie, wasn't Lots it? Of glory, yeah, yeah. Voice. yeah, yeah. I've got that on DVD. I've not watched it yet. Uh, yeah. Still have got a DVD player though. Jim, what about yourself? Alan's been looking back at, at a moment that sprung to his mind and where Ange can take us in the next hundred games. What's your thoughts? I think the moment looking back was the Abada goal against United uh, just before the 3-0 game. That we were kind of getting a bit closer to them, but uh, they had they had lost that kind of 96th minute goal at Ross County and it was all set up for us to get closer to them and Beaton gets sent off stupidly and then you're thinking we're blown this and then uh, injury time goal bang you think we've got a chance and then the following Wednesday night was under the lights in the 3-0 game so I think that's that's my big memory uh, I'm a bit more cautious looking forward I think football's about fine margins and I think uh, before the League Cup final I thought it might have went to penalties and when they scored I'm thinking oh no this is this is going to happen if we lose this game what would that mean? And I thought, I thought the the reaction after the game from both sides of the city was a bit over the top. You know, we put them back in their box and all that sort of stuff. There's only one goal in it at the end of the day. You know, and they've been very consistent. So, and they were saying this is this is this is awful. This is terrible. One goal changes the game. So I'm I'm a bit more cautious looking forward. I think we've got a good squad. Uh, Angie's a fantastic manager. Uh, I think the quality of football in Scotland is really really poor. I think there's a massive chasm between the top two and the rest. And years going by, you'd look for maybe Hibs and Aberdeen and, and Hart to take points off, off them. That hasn't happened. Or it hasn't happened very much. Uh, and the, the margins are just so fine. Now, we've got this nine-point lead, which is really, really handy because um, I look back on the season so far and think seven of those points, they dropped seven points in five games. And, and that was a bit that's given us this lead. You know, and they were very sloppy. And they looked like... Cause, We've, we've been great, we've won all these games, but they've won all their games as well. And maybe they haven't won them as, as well as we've won our games, but they've still won all their games and they're still kind of on our coattails, if you, if you call nine points our coattails. We've said we've been great, but they've, they've not lost any ground and all it takes is one slip. And watching the game the other night, after 20 minutes, you're thinking, could this be the game that we maybe make a wee slip here? We don't. We're going to win the game. So I'm a bit more cautious moving forward. I think it's always going to be hard to compete in Europe given the the differences in the finances. Uh, I agree with Alan, the Champions League is like beyond us. There's no reason why we couldn't make a fist of the Europa. But then you look at some of the teams they end up playing in that, the Man United, the Barcelona. So I just think it's really difficult in Europe. Uh, but cautiously optimistic. We've got, we've, got, we've got caution there. I like that from you though, Jim. And that's what we expect from your good self. I think the biggest disappointment for me, um, not so much the Michelin game because... 
Ange was up against it in those two ties and we, we actually took it to extra time and could have sneaked through uh, it was a Bodo Glimt game really for me Brian, that was a disappointment and, and I take what Alan says about this season yeah I don't know how it would have affected the, the domestic um, aspirations but I would have liked to have seen Celtic in the Europa League this season because I just think we're a much better side than we were last time round um, but yeah I can wait till next season what about yourself Brian, looking back on the, the last 100 games something I mentioned yesterday actually was the very few Celtic managers have managed 300 or more games at Celtic Park. And I was actually quite surprised when I looked at this. So Willie Mealy did it, um, you know, 1,600 and odd games he he managed. Jimmy McGrory did it. Jock Steen, of course. Billy McNeil and Neil Lennon did it over two different periods. Um, so not consecutively. And of course, uh, other than that, nobody else in the history of Celtic has managed more than 300 games at the club. So 100 is a milestone, 200 is a milestone, 300 is virtually unthinkable at times, especially in the one sitting, Brian. But I'm going to confidently say he's going to be here for another 100 games. So what, what are you looking forward to? What do you expect from this manager? Well, expectation versus sort of hope is two different things. I hope that uh, I'm kind of actually in between Jim and um, Al, because I think that progression in Europe would be good, but I think it's it's incremental. So I think at playing the Champions League, drop into Europa League, get fin- um, win a knockout tie. That's the first thing. We do that. That's better than done for a long time. Mm-hmm. That's, that's I'd be happy with that. Hope is that we go even further and make a real stab at being competitive at the sort of quarter final, semi final stages of the Europa League. Um, and I think that's where a long term aim should be. And domestically, I think just like Jim, I'm hesitant to be really dismissive of uh, Rangers because I don't think they're quite as far away from us as everyone thinks. I think they're going to get better. I think this season's probably right off. I don't think they're going to do it in the league. Uh, I think we're quite comfortable there. But I think next season, we're going to have to improve because they're going to improve. And then hopefully that has an knock-on effect. So if you're looking at shorter term, just keep keep on improving. It looks like Ange is already planning his next transfer window, which I kind of love. I love that, that forward-thinking mentality. I love that aggression. I saw yesterday, I think he hired a coach from Man City and a scout. Yeah. Um, so he, you know, he's also making plans to get other players in because he knows he's got to be better. Um, and in terms of him being here for another 100 games, I absolutely think he will. I saw it, apparently he's linked to his Spurs now. Um, I just... I think Ange, and I could be wrong, I don't know the guy personally, but it seems to me he's more concerned about leaving a legacy. He's more concerned about making an impact. Now, if he, he can do that either one or two ways, he can be fairly successful in Europe and be regarded well for that, as well as obviously the accolades he's already got, trophies, style of play, or he can overhaul, I suppose, their semi-fictional uh, number of cups of one in in leave that mark and be the Celtic manager that totally eclipsed and won the most trophies a club's won. And I think either of them would be good. And I think if they'd done that, then they might be considered looking elsewhere. But I don't think that's going to happen for a while. He, he doesn't seem a man sort of driven by the desire to manage in the Premier League. If anything, and this is just pie in the sky, but I think he'd go to Spain or somewhere like that, or Germany, or he would go to England, if I'm honest. I think the, the lack of time in the Premier League compared to even a club like Celtic where you don't get a lot of time is insane and I don't think you know I think you see managers get sacked after 10 games 12 games and I think Andrew did more than that in the Premier League to get up to speed so I don't think I think he's realistic enough to know whereas somewhere like Germany where clubs are more project focused I think somewhere like that maybe a future destination more than England it's just there's an arrogance that the assumption is he's going to go to England because that's where the money is and I just get the impression he's, he's I don't think he's that interested in that. I think he's more about legacy and reputation and making an impact. Could be wrong. We'll find out. I hope you're right. If you were to go from what Ange Postacoglu himself has said, Brian, then you would come to a conclusion similar to that. I mean, what I've been saying during the week is um, I disagree slightly with regards to your, your view on Rangers. Not that we can underestimate them. I don't get that at all. I don't want complacency to set in. I take what Jim was saying in terms of you know how close that game actually was and and the reaction to it from the other side, although I'll let them fall out with each other every day of the week. It was a bit OTT, I thought. Um, I don't think they will have the ability 
to come back a great deal stronger after the, the summer in terms of recruitment, uh, simply because of we know the financial situation that they're in. Uh, in terms of assets, sell an asset, buy three other players, they don't seem to be in a position to do that. Um, so I'm not quite sure they will, although I'm only focusing on you know, Celtic and what we're going to do. And I've I've, I've mentioned this again. I, I still think that we've got um, a bit of fat around the edges when it comes to the squad. You know, we've got 12 players out on loan. There's two or three players not contributing at the moment who are still in the first team squad. And I think, you know, you move them on, you look at the wages that you're going to save in relation to that um, and the cumulative transfer fees that we'll get for the likes of Barkas and Ajeti and, and uh, Soro and all these other guys that are out on loan um, and bringing three or four new players who are going to contribute and push for a jersey and I think we will be stronger as a result of that. Um, I'm going to obviously, just a silly button there, I think obviously nothing to do with Ange but just a, something that we said a minute ago, it'd be good to win a knockout tie. So we're saying, I think we can do well in Europe. We haven't won a knockout tie in, what, nearly 20 years or something. So doesn't add up for me. You know, it'd be different if we're, if we're, if we're doing well every year in Europe. We'll know it. We're miles away in Europe. And that's such a shocking indictment. And what's been on in the last 20 years in terms of Europe, it nothing to do with Ange. So I think it's a bit of a challenge, Europe, for me. A bit of a challenge. Mm. No, I, I agree with that, that. That's what it's been in, Jim. It's just that, that we win is huge. So... To do that after not doing it for that long time would be a massive achievement. I don't know if it's going to happen next year, but I think it, it, that should be the minimum aim is to always do better than we've done. And I think I think we will. I think we're more suited to Europe than, than maybe we showed previously. But mm. again, we'll see. We will. We definitely will. See, Alan, I'm going to ask you a question. Um, I think I know the answer to this, right? Because obviously, even when we Joe's on, he brings up VAR. It's, it's something that constantly comes up. I don't want to labour it. But one question I do have about it is people going about it being better, right? OK, I get all that. And I get the, the fact that we could use it better and stuff like that. But even just the graphics are rubbish. I mean, see, when you're looking at that Hearts goal, the graphics are appalling in, in terms of it being absolutely conclusive. You know, where's the Zoom and the 3D and all that? I, I guess we're just on the basic package with VAR. Is that right? Is there a more expensive yeah. one out there? Yeah, absolutely. We have the Poundland VAR. <laughs> it's uh, literally it's six cameras max and very low-end graphics. Uh, Premier League have got 30 cameras and obviously much higher-end graphics. So, yes, it is literally a, a really cheap version of VAR, technically, that, that we're operating here. I guess, you know, the club's... It's an extra, it's an extra cost to, to to pay for it. A lot of the clubs don't seem to want to pay for it for cup ties, which is interesting. Um, and yeah, I agree. I mean that 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 one that Janelli goal on on the on the midweek there. I mean, you know, listen to my naked eye, it's almost impossible to tell which player was ahead of which, and given the angle and so forth. So, you know, in that circumstance, the benefit of the doubt should go to the attacker. That, that, sh that should be the way it goes, right? So, yeah. you know, but 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 you're right. It, it just looks amateurish. You know, our part-time refs are clearly making a hash of it over and over again, the length mm -hmm. of time. I suspect, if I'm, if I'm trying to be a little bit charitable, is that I suspect most countries that have adopted it have taken a few seasons for it to settle down and the operation of it to become a lot slicker. So it is the first season um, of it. So, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be charitable here, but, it's, it's, you know, as long as we've got the same part-time referees where there's no transparency around how they're recruited, how they're assessed, how they're assigned, um, and, you know, as long as those structural issues are still there, then we're going to continue to get bad results. And there's no point blaming VAR. VAR is just a process. It's just a piece of software, some hardware and, and, and a set of procedures, right? There's nothing wrong with that. It's the right way to go. It's the it's yeah. the it's the people operating it that is the issue. And that I don't see that changing until there's radical overhaul at the SFA, unfortunately. Yeah. It's a Poundland system operated by part-time refs. There you go, in a nutshell, and that's why it's not giving us the results we would expect. Um, obviously, you know, today's show with you guys is a wee bit shorter because we had Joe Miller coming in as a special guest. And uh, we've only got a few minutes to go, and I want to talk about tomorrow. Um, I've been dreaming of a treble, obviously, all season, and we're not being allowed to say it because it's as if we're going to jinx it or something like that, Jim. Um, tomorrow, tough game at Tynecastle tomorrow. We know it's tough. We've had tough games on the range there this season. Um, in terms of changes, there was a lot of talk around the fullbacks. Obviously, we've already spoken about the wingers. 
Um, he, he might tinker tomorrow, but would you expect him to stick with the guys like Moy, bring Johnson back in? If Taylor's fit, bring Taylor back in as well, Jim? Yes, to both of them. I think it's an ideal game for Moy. That's the kind of game where things are a bit, a, bit, a bit mad. He's the kind of guy who puts his foot in the ball and kind of calm things down. Again, you play your best team. It's good to see Wilson back the other night. They looked a wee bit rusty, mm-hmm. understandably so. Burnaby, same as well. So if Johnson and Taylor fit, they come straight back in. I said earlier, I'd like to see Haksabanovic get a start. I think Moy's in the midfield. Hatati has to come back, obviously. Uh, uh, and it'll be a... It'll be, a, it'll be a good cup tie. Looking forward to tomorrow because there's a lot of games in the cup. Certainly, if you're at home against lower league opposition, it's a bit of a bore. But this will be a proper cup tie tomorrow. And uh, looking forward to it. And uh, I think we just do by the odd goal in five. That's my prediction. 3 2 tomorrow. I do see goals. I'm the, I'm the same, Jim. I think oh. back to that game we played there, the 4 3 game, the first game. Uh, that VAR was introduced. Uh, also, lots of cards, lots of, like, lots of yellows, maybe the odd red tomorrow. It'll be, it'll be a, a feisty encounter. Uh, well, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, the tickets are, seem to be like gold dust. Mm. Uh, I'm not sure how many of the Axrom contributors managed to get them. Probably the usual suspects who have got contacts Aye. all over the place. Mm. Um, what about yourself, Brian? How do you see it going tomorrow? Yeah, I think it's going to be, be hard, but I, I think it'll be goals in it, but I think it'll be, you know, 3 or 4 1. Because I think that what was shown, and I think Alan made a point earlier on about Shorter against St. Mirren, he was playing really poorly. But even guys like him are the flair players. It's such a great determination and a resilience to keep going until we scored. And I think that's indicative of the team's mentality, I think, across the board. But even when Hearts scored first and St. Mirren first, I never really felt in doubt we, 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 we couldn't handle the occasion. I think we'll settle, we'll keep playing our football. And I think once we score one, I think we can score a few. Um, I don't think it'll be easy, but I do expect us to have, you know, to to score a few late goals and, and secure the victory. Um, and again, these games are always a good test. I think that actually as good as Celtic have been recently, that there is an extra gear, I think. And I think places at Tencastle bring that out to the players. So I think of the opposite effect. I don't think we'll be intimidated. Yeah, yeah. And again, we have shown character, you know, coming back twice in a row there, St Mirren and, and Hearts. Sometimes that isn't looked at. That's a mentality. That That is the, the character of the team coming back from that and continuing to stick to the, you know, the game plan. Um, I, I want to bring this up because Ralphson got a wee bit of stick mm-hmm. on the comments the other night regarding uh, some of his crosses, but his through balls are superb. The way that he cuts through that defence, I thought, you know, he showed a couple of times the other night that he's very good at that. But I would expect him to drop back to the bench, Alan. What about yourself tomorrow? Uh, how do you feel that we're going to line up? And what about the, the outcome? Are you uh, in agreement with, with Jim or Brian? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, definitely, for sure. I, I mean, I would have definitely have Johnson straight back in. I mean, he's been superb from day one, from minute one of the first game. He's been he's been excellent, and uh, he's straight back in for me. I think uh, Taylor didn't sound like his injury was serious. I think he'll be back in. I, I agree with, completely with what Jim said about Moy. I think his ability to take the ball under pressure, to find space, to be calm uh, in a game like that is going to be uh, you know, very valuable. Um, I would love to see Haksavanovic start actually with Jota, but I think, I suspect, as Brian said, I, I think he'll probably go with Abada and, and Jota when it comes to it. But uh, so, so I think it'll be close to the team that's been quite sort of... Um, you know, consistent in terms of selection. Um, in terms of the game itself, you know, they, they're, they're, they're good at home. They've scored 34 goals at home in the league, which is 14 games. is pretty impressive. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there is a huge gulf between, you know, Celtic and, and, and even Hearts and third and, and the rest of the league especially. And I just think there's such a calmness and patience about the way we play. We don't change anything, even if there's a setback, nothing changes there's a belief, there's a confidence of the players in each other and of what they're trying to achieve. And there's, therefore, there's a consistency. There's a consistency in performance levels at team level that is, uh, you know, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not a short-term form thing. Now, this has been going on for the best part of, you know, 18 months almost. Uh, so I, I just think, you know, that it's a cup tie, right? Their goalkeeper could be outstanding. We could get a crazy red card against. We know that if the ball hits a hits any part of the upper body of a Celtic player in the box, it's likely to result in a penalty. Uh, all those things could, ha- could happen. In fact, all of them could happen in the same game. Um, however, all things being equal, we just know that even if it's not going well, because they'll fly out the traps at us, will hound us all over the pitch. They'll play. They'll play the Devlins and the the Hallidays. They'll, they'll get in Celtic's faces. But even if we're a goal down at half time or it's level. You just know that as the game wears on, when Celtic 
when the, when the, when this five substitutes come off the bench, the quality that comes off the bench, that you know something will happen, uh, and, and that I think we'll, we'll work we'll work it out. We'll work it out. So I've got I've got a lot of confidence in the, in this squad of players and the way that they're playing, the way that they're being managed. And I'm sure one day it will come unstuck. Of course it will, because that's football. But hopefully not tomorrow. We'll work it out. I like that. I like that because that's exactly <clears throat> what they do. Um, even in adversity, they're able to to work through it in a patient manner. They don't panic. The game plan stays as it is. And like you say. You've always got that 60, 65 minute mark where we can make a big change if, if we need to. I'm really looking forward to it. I'm also looking forward to the Lathams tonight. Never seen them live. If uh, anybody's in Glasgow, you might see me bouncing about wherever all the old guys stand. I'm not quite sure uh, what happens <laughs> with all the, all the old guys at a gig these days, but I'll find sit out down. soon enough. Sit sit down, oh, sit down at the back. <laughs> Aye, I'll probably need a wee sit down. Aye. I remember going to a gig once and I, I got a cup of tea at the bar. That's a true story. That was in Glasgow as well. They made me a cup of tea. Brilliant. I'm ancient. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. It's been great fun talking to the three uh, guys there and also to Joe Miller as well beforehand, a big hero of mine from the centenary year. Uh, subscribe to the channel. Give us a wee thumbs up on the YouTube and um, join us tomorrow, half an hour before kickoff, where uh, I will be back with someone yet as yet unconfirmed to talk about the action at Tynecastle. Thank you to Brian and Jim and Alan for joining me on a Celtic State of Mind. Network.